Huck comes to the blue line to Talinder. The Kings are going to be Stanley Cup champions. 46 seconds to go. And up to center ice, here's Brown. But it's out of his reach and cleared back up to center ice. And now 34 seconds to go. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. The countdown is on. Three, two, one. It's over. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. In August of 2022, the LA Kings team from 2012 gathered to celebrate the 10th anniversary of their Stanley Cup victory. I was fortunate enough to be part of a small group of people allowed to spend two days surrounded by the players, the coaches, and the executives responsible for that incredible moment in Kings history. We're going to bring you some of their memories over a series of episodes, but today we're going to focus on the season that led up to that amazing playoff run and how the LA Kings were transformed into a dominant Stanley Cup champion. I think midway through the season, a lot of us broadcasters, we'd get together after games and talk. And I said, we may not even make the playoffs because we were not having a great season. And that's when they made those changes and uh, brought Daryl Sutter in. And, and, uh, and, and even then, the whole season was not a dominant season. And that's what surprised me in the playoffs, the way they dominated every series in the playoffs. It like came out of nowhere. I thought, I didn't see this happening. And uh, it was amazing to, to have a 3 nothing lead and have that kind of cushion going into those playoff games. And um, it was just uh, magical the way it happened because we played some pretty good teams and we were jumping out to those 3 nothing leads and playing with a lot of confidence. The voice you just heard was Bob Miller, Hockey Hall of Famer and former play-by-play announcer for the LA Kings. His concerns were echoed by Kings fans during that tumultuous season. And to fully appreciate just how shocking that 2012 Stanley Cup run was and how much the team changed over the course of a calendar year, I believe you have to go back to the end of the 2010-2011 season. On March 26th, just three weeks before the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Kings' leading scorer, Andre Kopitar, suffered a broken ankle that would take him out of the lineup for the rest of the regular season and the postseason. Over to Kopitar. Kopitar tied up there by O'Byrne and knocked down by O'Byrne. And Ooh, they... Kopitar's down and still yeah. down. Ooh, get up, Andre. Huck taking left side, oh. and it is... He's not getting up. He's not. No. Oh, my God. There's, oh. I mean, you never want to see anyone. Kings leading score, Andre Kopitar, flat on the ice, tried to get up. Without their top center and leading scorer, the Kings forced the San Jose Sharks to six games in the 2011 Western Conference quarterfinals, but ultimately were defeated in overtime when Joe Thornton scored the series-ending goal on Staples Center ice. 
Brings it back out. Far side. Thornton. They score! Joe Thornton and the Sharks win the series in overtime! His biggest goal is a shot. Former Kings forward and three-time Stanley Cup champion, Justin Williams. I don't fault anybody in their celebrations for, for anything. Um, I'm, I don't think there was anything extra in there. Um, but seeing someone celebrate on your ice, especially, is, is um, something you got to take and you got to eat and you got to live with um, until the next chance you get. The Kings would only have to watch an opponent celebrate a playoff series win once in the following three seasons, winning the Stanley Cup in both 2012 and 2014 and reaching the Western Conference Finals in 2013. The changes to the roster and coaching staff during the 2011-2012 season had their impacts, but the foundation for that success was laid years before. Former LA Kings assistant general manager, Mike Fuda. Dave Taylor had some really nice pieces in place. Like, you come into a situation and you've got Andre Kopitar and you've got uh, Brownie and you've got Quickie, right? and then our job is to kind of surround it with character and I think that's part of the special part I know for me and that's part that like Dean and I really hit it off with with Mark Yannetti was the ability to identify some kids and stuff that I've known that were going to just blend in from a character standpoint I aka like a Kyle Clifford and uh, guys that probably were a little less on the list but you just knew that they were going to be able to fit in this format. Former Kings forward Kyle Clifford. Looking back I always felt like we were a tight team even the year before I felt like we had the identity we had the players, and I mean, obviously making the big uh, off-season acquisition with with Richard was a big splash and a, a huge help to, to our locker room, and it just solidified our, our culture. On June 26, 2011, the LA Kings acquired Rob Bordson and Mike Richards, the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, for Wayne Simmons, Braden Shen, and a second-round draft pick. Just three days earlier, the Kings had traded veteran Ryan Smith to the Edmonton Oilers for Colin Frazier. Frazier had been a member of the 2010 Stanley Cup winning Chicago Blackhawks and recalls the elements that helped the Kings earn their postseason success. They traded for Mike Richards. You have Jonathan Quick in that. You have Drew Doughty. You have Anze Kopitar. You have Dustin Brown. You have star players. And then coming into the team as a guy that didn't know anybody, and they welcomed me right away with open arms made me feel really comfortable the, the winning teams truly are the tightest teams and right away i just felt i don't know this cohesive unit of a team they, they made me feel very comfortable as, a, as an outsider coming in and you know when you have those superstar players and then unselfish guys that kind of work together it's kind of a good recipe a running theme of our conversations with the members of the 2012 cup winning kings was the strength of the organization's culture Rob Laird served as a scout for nearly three decades in L.A. and spoke about two players that had a tremendous impact on that culture, Jared Stoll and Matt Green. Dean brought those two guys up fairly early. So we had an opportunity to you know, further look at them and share our opinion, but I think Dean was really on to those two guys. And uh, you know, we gave him a really good hockey player in Lubo, and he was an excellent player for us, but that just... Uh, I just created so much of the culture. It's an overused word in hockey, but those are two culture guys. Mike Fuda also had kind words for Jared Stoll and Matt Green. 
That trade is probably the most underrated trade in the history of the LA Kings for me because it's one thing to change culture, but those two guys walked the talk and they became when they're not only probably the, some of the best human beings I've ever met, but their leadership ability was just off the charts. The leadership ability of Stoll and Green wasn't limited to their on-ice contributions, as even King's COO, Kelly Cheeseman, recognized the two for their impact on the organization. Ten years later, and the impact that those two have, and they still have every day, and I'm in awe of their work ethic now, their focus and their tenacity, and you know the time I get to spend with them now off the ice, you see that work ethic and that passion, and even what they brought to this team this weekend to make sure that this group was taken care of and had the moment to have this reunion. And I'll never forget in our first couple planning meetings, Matt said to me, second place teams don't get a chance to have this moment. You know, when they lost in Edmonton, they always thought like, oh, we're always gonna be together when we get back together and we're so close and they haven't done it. Because second place teams don't get to do that. If the veteran players were responsible for the established culture in the locker room, who takes credit for changing the way they played on the ice? Matt Green addressed the pivotal shift in the LA Kings style of play. Terry did a good job of establishing that, just that defensive mindset, that sound, that sound, uh, you know, good system play. And then uh, Daryl came in and it's just, there's no, there's no excuses with Daryl. And I think that's the mindset where stick, stick nails it with, uh, you know, you push a guy down, you don't let him back up. That's, uh, that, that comes from Daryl, where Daryl sees a all out competitor at all times. And it's, he, he wants to win everything and that's the way you win. I mean, if you got a guy on the ropes, it's the classic example of boxing. You don't let him off, you know? And if, same thing, you know, kick a guy while he's down, absolutely. If it's, if it's to win a game, do it. And that's what you're gonna do is you're gonna win. And that's, that's, uh, that's Daryl's mindset. And I think we were built to do that. And we had the guys that were receptive to do it and, uh, and did it. On December 11th, 29 games into the 2011-2012 season, the Kings relieved head coach Terry Murray of his responsibilities. The team had lost four games in a row and found themselves 12th in the Western Conference playoff race, despite being widely considered Stanley Cup contenders after acquiring Mike Richards and Simone Gagne in the offseason. On December 19th, Daryl Sutter was named as Terry Murray's replacement. Sutter had been away from the NHL for almost a year, and had last coached an NHL game in 2006. He would take a special team to help Dean Lombardi convince him to come out of retirement. Still, the biggest thing for me was, was the circle of character that the team had. You need, it was such a strong group, the middle of the team, uh, meeting the Matt Greens, the Jarrett Stoles, Jonathan Quicks, Dustin Browns, Anzen Colt, you know, the Drew Dowdies. Those guys were like special guys in it. And you could see that you just needed they just needed, you know, they were, I thought they were, quite honest, I felt they were very well coached. I thought Terry Murray had done a really good job of bringing them back to understanding what it meant to be a strong defensive team. I just thought the way the game was, the game was being played at that time, the game, the game had to be a possession game. And I think that once, once that became instilled in them, then away they went. Former Kings forward, Brad Richardson. We had a great group of guys, and I think that Europe thing was tough. We we started, we played in like Kansas City or something, then we were in Vegas, and then we were in Europe, and then we start, then we came back and played on the East Coast still. It was like we were gone for over a month or something. It, I think guys were just exhausted. Um, so it didn't lead to a great start. And I think, you know, having that kind of wake-up call bringing Daryl in, we're, we're like, 
we, we got to turn it on here. And then Daryl, obviously, with his, you know, the way he commands respect and the way he makes you, you know, have your best game every night, I think that really changed our team. The team had just changed the way they were playing a little bit, and everybody had to buy into it, and they did. And, and I wasn't that familiar and personally with, with any of the players. I'd known Colin Fraser from playing for my brother in Red Deer, uh, but I, and I'd coached a lot against Matt Green and Jared Stoll from the Calgary Edmonton. Uh, days, but uh, other than that, I didn't know the team. It was an impressive group. Still, the most important part for me was the everybody accepted the role and understood it. And, this, and it was, you know, that was December, and so to be able to push that through in a hurry was was not easy to do. It just tells you how much they 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 knew what they had to do. Daryl Sutter became the LA Kings head coach with almost 50 games left in the 2011-2012 season. Would a coaching change be enough to turn the disappointing season around? Director of Amateur Scouting, Mark Yanetti. What turned the team around? I mean, that team was picked early in the year by some to be a a deep running, not a standing cup, but a deep running playoff team. You know, it's funny, you forget, you get around the guys, you know, and, and I was more of an observer from the outside, obviously, but you see the interaction between these guys and you know I've been with one other organization and I've you know I've been parts of different teams in both organizations there's a difference in how these guys interact how they value each other just you know just just the way they are when they're together Um, and I think it took a while for it to gel Uh, having Daryl come in at that time certainly would have helped but you know, it's like a snowball. Once you know, you know, there were a lot of things that happened between February and and the playoffs, and you know, some of the young energy coming up. I did go to Manchester at the All Star break, but um, I swear we called those guys up there and playing in Long Island, and it wasn't you know it was it was Dwight King, Jordan Nolan, but also what was really important there was Slava Boyna, uh, bringing him and playing in the top four position, and then. Uh, and then getting Jeff Carter right there too, even though he came in, broke his ankle, and then get Mike Richards back from, uh, yeah, he was out with a concussion when I came here in December. And so all those guys at once, it wasn't just Jordan Kinger. Uh, Kinger, Kinger automatically filled that third, that checking third line left wing. So that line with St- uh, Jarrett Stoll, Trevor Lewis, and Dwight King became a line to play against anybody. You know, everything gets slotted by lines and by stars and things like that but really it's the balance of your team and be able to put Jordan Nolan on the fourth line give you size and speed and, and give you an identity which was which we thought was really important. Former LA Kings forward and current broadcaster Jim Fox. I think anytime a team goes through tough times it's just a, a building block for what's going to happen later on. I think there are some coaches and I might put Daryl Sutter in there sometimes there even when things are going well, you kind of create something off to the side so you, you make the players go through adversity. It's kind of a practice session. Then they get used to it. Then they come together. And it's a huge part. Yeah, you know, Very few times does any team win a Stanley Cup and just slide through. I remember if the Calgary Flames won a Stanley Cup in the late 80s, they lost 11 games in a row during that regular season. So sometimes you got to live and learn. Learn your mistakes and go from there. Well, I think all championship teams, it's not all gravy the whole season, right? You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. It's how you come out of the downs that really 
shape your team because things are going to get tough, especially in playoffs. So, you know, we needed obviously that little jolt, uh, clearly, um, from having a coach fired to realize our potential. And fortunately for us, Daryl Sutter was able to do that. That was Justin Williams again. His former LA Kings teammate and current player development coach, Jared Stoll, observed the role experience played in the team's success. I think we were, an, we were an experienced team at that time already, though. We had a lot of guys that have been to the Stanley Cup Finals or played a lot of playoff games. You know, Carters and Richards, they played a lot of playoff games in, in Philadelphia. Uh, Greener and I in, in Edmonton going to the Finals. Justin Williams, um, you know, our teams in L.A. as well. We, we made the playoffs leading up to that. You know, we never got past the first round, but we definitely didn't have a young team. I, I would say we had an experienced team. But, yeah, once you lose... You lose a coach midway through the season, obviously things aren't going well, you're not playing well. You know, it's, you have to go one way, and we, we chose to come together as a team with the right group of guys. You know, bringing Dean, bringing in Daryl, he brought in the right guy. And then I just think we had the horses, I think we had the players and the leadership and the character and the culture to, to get over all that and to, to play well down the stretch. And then once we, once we got in, we just kept, uh, you just couldn't stop us. When Dean gave us the roadmap, the mission statement, uh, in terms of in terms of what to draft, in terms of who to bring in through trades. Uh, so, like, he had always preached culture. Now, there's certain ways to build, and you you, you can't just go out and get. I mean, you, you have to get special players with special attributes, which creates special culture. Uh, but we were very cognizant of drafting and trading for culture. Numerous times, you know. You, you saw three of the NHL trades were specifically to address veteran culture, and then four or five of the draft picks were specifically to, do, you know, to, to inject youth culture. There was a real synergy throughout the whole staff in terms of how to deal with, how to cultivate, how to locate culture. We heard the words character, culture, and identity repeated over and over again in our conversations with that Stanley Cup winning 2012 LA Kings team. But as he often does, Jim Fox had the perfect explanation for how those words played out on the ice. No one cared who got the credit. They didn't care who had the goal. They didn't care if Quickie had a shot. They they just cared about the win. And that's the identity of that team, 2012, it's amazing what you can accomplish if no one cares who gets the credit. All parts kind of kind of fit, but they fit for, for a reason. Like we all kind of thought the same way. We all, you know, didn't want to let each other down. You know, we kind of, I, I remember in the, in the room all the time, looking around the dressing room and, and seeing everybody. And then I knew I had, I knew I had Greener going that night. I, I knew I had Colin Frazier, who was going to give it all that night. Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis. I knew they were going to bring their games. It just... It was never, there never had to be any calling anybody out, putting anybody on the spot. Daryl never did that. We never did that. It was just a, there were some tough games. There were some tough months and stuff, but we just always found a way to overcome certain things and, um, and move on. It was just, a, it was a special, special group. Hope you enjoyed that, Kings fans, because that is just part one in what will wind up being, I think, a five or possibly six-part series. Not only do we have more of the one-on-one conversations we recorded, but there's also a 20-minute conversation between me, 
Mark Unetti, and Mike Fuda that took place on a cliff looking out over the Pacific Ocean. And I swear I'm not trying to brag, but getting to be a fly on the wall at this celebration is easily, easily the coolest perk I've ever gotten from this job. It's taken literally every ounce of self-control I have not to talk about it endlessly for the last three months. And I'll do my best to make you feel like you were there too. Hope you all have a happy new year. I'll see you around. Thanks as always for listening.